What a blessing. Amen. Yeah, let's give them another hand. As, and our workers, too. What an incredible blessing it is to have our children with us in family church. Uh, we're going to spend some time uh, in prayer and just here in just a second, and then we're going to turn to God's Word this morning uh, in, a, in a different way, in a, in a neat way. And we're uh, trusting the Lord that today will be a special day. Uh, for all of us as we encounter Christ this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we just come to you in this moment and we give you praise and thanks because you are God. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the reason we are here. God, I couldn't help but think last night as I was, as I was driving home, I cannot wait to worship you with my friends and my family on Christmas Sunday. I cannot wait to give you praise and thanks and the glory that you so richly deserve on this Christmas Sunday. Lord, I pray as that children's story was just read to us that we are filled with anticipation that you are coming. We are thankful that you have come once, that you have given us an example to to live by and you've given us teachings to follow and you've given us a reason and a purpose to live, but we look forward with great anticipation for your second coming. And we look forward, Lord, that we get to go and spend eternity in heaven with you one day. So God, I pray that today would be a day that as that story says, we will get ready. We will make room. We will open the door. We will welcome you in. So this morning, God, as we come to you, as we are about to open your word and and hear from your word today, Lord, I pray that you would help us to open our ears and open our hearts to receive from you what you have for us today. May your Holy Spirit speak to us in a powerful way. May your Holy Spirit nudge our hearts. Would it quicken us to pay attention to what you're doing around us and to follow you, to trust you, to put our hope in you this season and this day. God, I pray as we look to your word that it would be true, it would be active, it would be sharp. And I pray that your anointing would fall, Lord, today in a very special way. God, we give you the remainder of our time today and we ask you to use it for your glory and honor, Lord. For we pray all of these things in Jesus' powerful name. And everyone said together, amen, amen. I'm going to ask my colleagues, if they would, to join me here on platform. And uh, for four, over four years now, um, I have been waiting for this day. And uh, a day that we have called team teaching uh, with our pastors. And so we are looking forward to this day. Maybe me more so than they are. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but we're going to do something a little bit different today as we bring you God's Word. Uh, I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John. John's Gospel is where we're going to be. Chapter 14 is the main place for our text this morning. Christmas Sunday is a time of year where the anticipation is great. This year, especially with Christmas being all the way at the end of the week, I can't imagine the anticipation that is going on in all of our homes this week as we get ready for this special day. The excitement is overwhelming. The joy of Christmas is at hand. This is Christmas week. 
And if you forgot, I think the stores are still open tomorrow, so uh, you can make arrangements if you need to be. Thinking back over the many memories in my own mind, I remember this week as we traveled on vacation, my, one of my children asked me, Dad, when, when you would fly as a kid, what, what did you think? I said, boy, I never flew as a kid. Uh, we drove and we drove and we drove and we drove. It seemed like for days to get to Grandma and Grandma, Grandpa's house. And, but it was one of those things that we looked forward to. We looked forward to the car rides because we knew we were going to get to see Grandma and Grandpa. We knew we were going to get to have Christmas with family. I was fortunate that my parents uh, were born and raised in the same town. And so my grandparents were in the same town. So as a kid growing up, it was really exciting because not only did we get one Christmas, we got two Christmases, and usually on the same day. It was really cool. Uh, We got to go to one set of parents' house, and as a kid, there was such joy in that. As an adult, memories of Christmas ring true in my mind when my kids were little. And I remember their faces as they opened those gifts. And even when maybe means were were small, the kids didn't know. And the joy that showed up on their face on Christmas morning, what an incredible blessing that is as a parent and a grandparent. Amen? Now in our family, we try to have experiences for our Christmas joy, and we just experience that ourselves. And so we're very thankful for that. But this morning, I want to invite you to Remember those moments of Christmas that bring you joy. Christmas, sometimes for for many of us, we've gone through seasons in our life where Christmas may not be a joyful time. And maybe there's a reason why that is. Maybe there's circumstances that are beyond your control. But for all of us today, my challenge for us, my encouragement for us would be this. To find joy today. In Christmas, the real reason for Christmas. So this morning, Pastor Alicia and Pastor Greg and myself are going to share with you the ultimate reason that we can all have true joy this Christmas season. So I want to invite you as you're turned to Book of John, chapter 14. I want to read the the first part of John 14 to you, and our main verse is going to be verse six. But listen to the word of the Lord this morning from John 14, one through six. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we do not know, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And here it is. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This morning, I want us to break down these three essential ideas so that we truly can experience the joy of Christmas and Christ returning again. Here's Pastor Alicia to begin for us. Sorry about that. 
We're going to start with um, just looking at the beginning of chapter 14 where we see the, Jesus explaining what's going to happen. And he's encouraging the disciples here that he has a plan and that they, they need to just trust him, that there's room, that there's a way for them to get to heaven. But see, they've never been. They didn't understand I've been there. I don't know if you guys for Christmas do this to your children, but don't give them all the details. Hey, we're going on a trip. We're going to grandma's house. Pack your bags. Let's get ready to go. And then that's all the details they get. Well, you see, I've always been a planner. I always have loved the details. I wanted to know when we're going to get there, what time we're going to leave, whose house are we going to first, what we might eat, what we might do there. Then whose house are we going to next? That's just how I've always been, and nothing's changed. I'm the same way. I love the details. I love knowing the plan. So I can relate to the disciples here a little bit when they said, we have no idea where you were going, so how can we know the way? They didn't understand. They hadn't been there before. And just like a parent would to their child, Jesus reassures them, if you know me, if you have me, I am the way, and we will get there. And so Jesus is encouraging his disciples to just breathe. I need that reminder often, just Alicia just breathe. You'll get there. Just slow down. Roll with the flow. But sometimes that's hard. And as we look at our lives and, and the, how we walk through it, we wonder, how are we going to get there? One of our children asked us this week, uh, he said, how do you get to heaven? Do you think it's like a staircase or is it like just a teleport? How do you, how do you think we go into heaven? And I don't, I don't have the, I haven't been there yet, so I can't answer that question. But again, I, I think it just goes back to similar how these disciples, we don't understand. Give us more details. And Jesus says, I am the way. Go with me, and we'll get there. As I was looking at um, another text this week that I just, the Lord really brought to my head, it was in uh, Matthew 7, and it talks about the gate how we're going to get into heaven. And it says, um, but the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Well, the way is very narrow. So as we reflect on the way being Jesus, he is the only way to heaven. And we see that is narrow. We see that the, the path there is going to be difficult. But there's hope. There's joy. Because Jesus has walk, walked this road. He has joined us to walk with him. And he encourages us to follow his way and that we will find the gate. I'm not sure if it's going to be a giant stairway or if it's just going to be a teleport experience. I don't have that answer. We're going to just have to wait and trust. But there is a way and that we can wait and hope and trust in Jesus and that he will get us there. But see, he is the only way. There is not another way. Eternal life doesn't have multiple paths. I mean, when I think of going to Walmart, well, I could go down Lowry or I could take Washington. There's multiple ways to get to Walmart from my house or from multiple points of town. But see, that's not how it is for heaven. There's only one way. There's only one path, 
and that's Jesus. He is the way. Romans 12, 2 kind of talks about the different ways there are. It says, do not copy the patterns, the ways of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know, then you will learn to know God's will for you and what is good and pleasing and perfect. So if you want to know the way, we can't conform to the way of the world. We have to be set apart. We have to look different. Jesus did. Jesus looked very different than the world. He related. He had compassion. He associated. But he wasn't conforming to the ways of the world. And he's encouraging us that if we want the only way to heaven, we have to allow ourselves to be transformed and not think like the world. But look at the world as he does. See the world as he does. Have compassion like he does. And follow his way. Because it's, it's accessible. We can get there. It's not the closed gate. It's just a narrow gate. So if way, the way, the way, uh, speaks of a narrowness but a possibility and the opportunity for us, then the next characteristic that John speaks of, that Jesus declares that he is the truth, uh, can be probably a little bit more abstract, but yet it is just as precise, just as clear. Um, I was thinking uh, in trying to understand myself, what, is it, what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the truth, that uh, at Christmas time we're celebrating an origin. Jesus coming to earth, beginning, inaugurating this salvation story, uh, bringing into fulfillment all that the prophets had spoken of for generations. And birthing the church, birthing this, this experience that we now walk in some 2,000 years later. But origin stories, and I, and I was thinking about the birth of other people, all, all of you and all of us, but certainly those who we remember through history, their birth typically is significant not because they, they were just born, but because of what transpired in their life and what their life stood for and what it resulted in, what the effect of their life, the impact of their life, why they lived to begin with. And I believe that that begins to point us to what Jesus is talking about when he says, I am the truth. And when we look to Scripture, it reminds us that the reason, the purpose, the why of Jesus' life was very specific. There, were, there are lots of stories. We have quite a few stories of in Jesus' life from his birth until his death. But ultimately, it's, it's the culmination of it all that we have a reason and a purpose for celebrating his birth. Matthew writes in Matthew 121, And she shall give, bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus 
Why? Because he shall save his people from their sins. Luke chapter 2, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He is the only way. No other name. No other way. 1 John 4.14, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son, why? To be the Savior of the world. Purpose. The reason. And of course, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. There is purpose and reason, and that is why, and that's the truth behind why His birth even matters. If Jesus had only been born, He would have just been another carpenter, Another carpenter's son and probably had a profession, lived a life, and just we would have, the annals of history would have maybe never even known him. But because he made the proclamations he made and lived the life he lived and went to the cross and rose again, the truth of why he was born and why it's so significant now stands before us. The substance of truth, Jesus saying, I am the truth, is this you and I, all of us, we're born slaves to sin. We're born into it. We see it at work in our members and in our, our body and our life and our heart and mind. God is faithful to bring conviction into our lives to let us know there is a truth. There is a way. He calls us to it. And Jesus came, the Bible says, to set us free from that slavery. Look with, with me at John chapter 8. If you want to turn there. John chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. Then Jesus said to those who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But remember what he said? I am the truth, right? They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. But a son or a daughter, we could say, abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Amen? It's good news for us. And, and this is the purpose. And, and the other reason the Bible says that is true about why he came is this, that he came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3.8 declares that he came so that he might destroy the works of the devil. Are, are there works of the devil in your life that need to be destroyed? I see them in mine all the time, and I am so thankful. He didn't just come to say, hey, I want to help you cope. I want to help you figure out how to bear up under all of that. But the Bible says that he was born. And when you wake up on Christmas morning, you can celebrate this in your homes. He came to set us free from the slavery of sin, and he came to destroy the works of the devil. The truth of who he is and why he came. 
Now, this may be a little bit hard for us to receive, but I want to leave you with this. A few years back, a song was written, and the lyrics, at first I didn't like them. I, I thought they were doing something with my Christmas songs that I didn't want to happen. But the more I listened to them over and over again, it, it, it brought me back to, and it speaks clearly, I think, into this point about Jesus saying, I am the truth. A few of them go like this. It's not just about the manger where the baby lay. It's not all about the angels who sang for him that day. It's not all about the shepherds or the bright and shining star. It's not about the wise men who traveled from afar. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we can be born again. It's about a stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. And I hope that the truth of Christmas that we will all make this, this season is that there is a direct and inseparable link between his birth in a wooden manger, into a wooden manger, and his death on a wooden cross for you and for me. He is the way, and He is the truth. And if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So far, so good. Two for two. Amen? <laughs> Amen. I'm so thankful for the joy of Christmas, that in this non-traditional text of Christmas, Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. We can truly experience the joy of Christmas as we put our hope in the way. There is one way, Jesus. We can truly experience the joy of Christmas as we have peace in knowing that Jesus is the truth. In a world that says there's no absolutes, Jesus says, I am absolutely the truth. And finally, we can truly experience the joy of Christmas as we experience the life of that Jesus offers us. Jesus reminds us through this passage that he's come to not only be the way, he is the absolute truth, and he wants to offer us a life that we cannot completely comprehend, I believe. John 10.10, 10, Jesus is talking about being the good shepherd, and we've looked at this passage in, in recent days and recent weeks. And in understanding this passage of Jesus being the good shepherd, there's, there's an enemy that Jesus is referencing. If he's the good shepherd, there is a bad shepherd. There is somebody who is trying to destroy life. And if Jesus came to be the life, to give life, then someone is trying to prevent that life from being lived. I would be so bold to tell you today that if Jesus is the life, the enemy doesn't want you to experience anything close to the life he has for you. John 10.10 10 says, The thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, Jesus says, I have come to give life and to give it abundantly. That begs a question in my heart and in my spirit today. What is your life really worth to you? What is your life worth to you. Many times I wonder if we think that life to the fullest means we will get and we will be able to have 
anything and everything we could ever want or imagine. Those wish lists, those letters to Santa Claus. What is it that we want? Well, I'll have the greatest life I can even imagine if I'll just have everything I ever wanted. Our requests, our desires are for things of the flesh, sometimes very selfish things. However, this is not the life that Jesus came to promise to us all. Rather, Jesus came to give us a life that we cannot even imagine if we will truly put our hope, our faith, and our trust in him. How does the enemy steal, kill, and destroy? Some people might say, well, I'm still living. He's not doing a very good job. I would argue that if our desires, our wants, our our selfish plans are our way of thinking that the enemy is probably winning. Because we're living a life, we're trying to attain a life that, the, that God does not want us to have. And the enemy thinks, if I can just get you to focus on self, if I can just get you to focus on your wants and desires, if I can get you to think about the life that you've always dreamed of, you'll have no need for the life Jesus offers. He makes us believe that life is all about what I can get for myself. Life is about making sure that I take care of me, myself, and I. And if I do some good things for some people along the way, then I get bonus points. That's what the enemy wants us to think. If I can be a good person, if I can do some good things, I'm going to get bonus points. You know what? I've looked through the scriptures. I don't find anything in my Bible that says anything about bonus points. I don't see anything in my Bible that says anything about extra credit. The enemy is the master of deception. And he wants us to believe that if we want life to the fullest, then we must have everything we want or dream of. Really what matters, though, is that we get all that we can ever imagine when we get Jesus. There's a saying that that I've heard all of my life. It's not a matter of what you know, but it's a matter of who you know. I was trying to get a second job. We were living in Kansas City at the time, and uh, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to Mid-American Nazarene University and apply for a part-time security position. You know, big, buff, BJ, security guard. Yeah, right, um... So I go into the security office on campus there, and I had my interview set up with the head of security and never met the guy, didn't know him. And uh, we're sitting off in one of these side conference rooms in the, in the uh, student center there at Mid-America. And all of a sudden, somebody comes in to the interview, in the middle of the interview, and he taps the head of security on his shoulder, and he basically tells him, you've got to get out of here now because we're giving a tour to the interim president, and you need to get away from here. He doesn't need to see this part-time security interview going on. Well, the interim president at the time was none other than Dr. Jim Deal. And many of you know who Jim Deal is. He's been here several times to preach. A great great pastor, a great leader in our denomination. Well, Jim Deal happens to be a personal friend of our family, And my dad, he called my dad to his first church. And uh, Jim Deal is walking down the hall as we're walking the other way, trying to get out of his way. 
And they stop and are cordial and introduce us since we didn't hurry enough to get out of their way. And the head of security introduces me and he says, this is B.J. Thielander. And Jim Deal goes, oh, I know this kid. I knew him when he was just a little guy. We get to our next place and the head of security says, well, if the president knows who you are, I think I'd be doing a mistake if I didn't hire you for this part-time position. It wasn't a few weeks later we were doing a, a patrol of the campus getting ready for a fire drill. And the head of security came into the office that night and I was working third shift and he says, BJ, I need you to go to the president's apartment and I need you to warn him about what's going on so they're not alarmed and you can, you can help them prepare for what's going to happen. And so I went and knocked on Dr. Deal's door and told him and Dorothy to prepare for the sirens to go off and the alarms to sound, but there was just a test. It wasn't a real fire. And Dr. Deal comes, gets dressed and comes outside and waits with me as we conduct this fire drill. And I looked at Dr. Deal and I said, Dr. Deal, I really thought you would help me get a church job, not a security job. And he looks at me and he says, BJ, you just tell me when and I'll make the call. And it, that saying came back in my head, it's not a matter of what you know, it's a matter of who you know. You know, as I was thinking about that saying, I wonder if this applies to the things of eternity as well. I wonder if that's what Jesus meant in this text. The only way to the Father, he says to his disciples, is through Jesus. In other words, the only way to get the life that abundantly is available to you is by knowing the one who can give you access to the creator of all things. Some people think that Christmas and Easter is about ramping up attendance in church so the church can trick us into following all their rules and get all, get all this number stuff figured out. And I want to tell you, that's not what this is about. Christmas is all about knowing the Savior of the world has come to give you a life that you could never imagine. Christmas is not about getting more stuff. It's not about thinking we know a better way or hoping that we believe the truth, lower T, is going to get us through. Christmas is about knowing the one who is the way, who is the truth, and who gives life. So what is Christmas all about? What a loaded question. We just spent a great week on vacation, and our Christmas gifts to each other was this wonderful experience this year. During this tri trip, we were sitting in a production of, of a Christmas-themed show featuring a, a very traditional Christmas character named the Grinch. Anybody know the Grinch? How many of you are Grinches? No, just, just, just keep your hands down. I won't even look. In this production, though, on this, on this trip, he, the Grinch had come around and they'd shown video clips of the Grinch taking things from the ship. He stole a, a map and he stole a painting and he stole the captain's hat. In typical Grinch fashion, he was running away with all of his goods and then the Grinch story makes a turn. And in the end, the Grinch returns all the goods that he stole and his heart is warm to Christmas and he turns things around and he shows up on stage with the Santa costume on as if he's changed his heart. And as you know the Grinch's story, 
the Grinch's heart grows three sizes too big. That's not a good health situation, by the way. Um, but at the end of this show, it was a very cute little show. It was a very fun little experience. The MC gets up after the program is over and he says this. He said, Christmas is not about things. It's not about all of the fun activities and all the things going on. He said, Christmas is all about family. And if I'm completely honest with you this morning, in the middle of that Christmas vacation with my family, I could not help but cringe at that statement. Because Christmas is not about family. That may upset some of you. That may cause you to wiggle in your seat a little bit. Christmas is not about family. Christmas is not about traditions. Christmas is not about the gifts, the food, the songs we sing, even the great church services that we plan and have. Christmas is all about who you know. Do you know Jesus? And as Jesus said, if you know him, then you know the Father. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The life that we can never give ourselves. And only through Jesus can we truly experience what Christmas is all about. So I want to close this service with one question for you this Christmas Sunday morning. Do you know Jesus? Do you really know him? Or do you just know about him? Do you just take in Christmas season and you, you take it in and you process it and maybe you even ignore it because you know it up here? But do you know him? Do you know Jesus? See, if you don't know him personally, you're missing out on an incredible relationship that will change your life. Your life here on earth and your life to come in eternity in heaven with God the Father forever. The good news of Christmas is that you can know Jesus today. You can know the way. You can experience the truth. And you can have the life that Jesus has planned for you. It's very simple. If you don't know Jesus, it's, it's very easy to begin that relationship. It's as simple as ABC. The first thing we must do if we want to know Jesus and, and understand him and begin that relationship is we have to acknowledge that we're a sinner. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Every single one of us. We must acknowledge we're a sinner. B, we must believe that Jesus, he did come to earth for a purpose. His purpose was to save us from our sins. As Pastor Greg read that passage, you are to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. So you must believe that Jesus came to die for your sins. The Bible says if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, do you believe? Do you want to know him today? And see the final step to start that relationship is you must confess your sins. 
You must confess your sins. The only thing that separates us from God is unconfessed sin. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and repent of your sin, turn around in your ways, you will be saved. You see, getting to heaven is not about knowing it in your head. It's about knowing who can get you to heaven. Getting to heaven is about who you know, not what you know. Do you know Jesus today? I want to invite you to stand with, with me this morning. You see, what's really cool about Christmas is that there are presents. There are gifts involved. We exchange gifts and we, we, we give presents to people that we love and that we care about that we want to express our love to. But on this Christmas Sunday, I want you all to realize that Jesus came to give you the greatest gift ever. But see, sometimes there's, there's kind of weird people in life. They receive gifts and they, they take the, the wrapped present and they never open it. They never open it. They may sit and decide, oh, this is so beautifully wrapped. This is such an incredible gift. I really don't even know what the full potential of this is, but I'm going to sit it aside and save it for later. And many of us, that's what we've done with Jesus. Because Jesus hands us the gift of his life, of his sacrifice, and he says, I want you to know me with all of your heart because I am the way, the truth, and the life. But you must open the gift. So I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted the gift that Jesus has for you. I'm here to tell you this morning, you can receive that gift today. If you'd like to accept this, this gift and you acknowledge that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus and you believe that he came to die for your sins and you're willing to confess your sins and say, God, I have done wrong. I want to live for you. I want to know you. If that's you this morning and you want to receive and open that gift, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray with you this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else that just wants to receive and open that gift today? Amen. God, we come to you in this moment and we celebrate the opening of your gift this morning. People's hands going up saying, God, I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. I'm sorry that I've tried to live this life for myself. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I want to know you and not just know about you. God, I know that your word is true and your word tells us that if we've confessed with our mouth that you are Lord, we will be saved. And so God, we celebrate the opening of the gift today. Thank you for saving us from our sins. Thank you for making a way, for giving us the truth. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to experience the joy of Christmas as we live out the life that you want to give each and every one of us. Thank you for that promise today. Thank you for your love. And thank you for coming to Christmas so we can continue to celebrate 
the one who can take us to the Father. We love you today. We give you praise and thanks for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you go, I want to encourage you. We've had some people raise their hands, and I'm not going to embarrass them, but the Bible says when a sinner has come home, the angels in heaven rejoice. Can you just rejoice with me that, that the angels are rejoicing and praising God? Amen. Amen. It's Christmas Sunday. We want to invite you again to come back tonight at 6.30 for a great Christmas party. Board members, I need to meet with you shortly right over here in the side uh, classroom. Have a great day. Merry Christmas.